Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we're in the house of God with the people of God listening to the word of God um, from the man of God. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We pray, Father God, that your word would be our instruction to make us bold in the affairs that concern Christ. We pray, Lord, that you give us your spirit, that we might welcome your word, understand your word, and live your word, not just being hearers, but doers of your word, Lord. Allow your word uh, to be applied to our hearts. Allow it to instruct us in the affairs that concern this life and the next. We give you thanks that your word has come to us and that we have the capacity to receive it and live according to it, Lord. We give you thanks for your word, which is a good seed that is to be planted in good soil, Lord, so that we might have fruitful lives and a harvest that glorifies your name, Lord. Allow your word to transform us by the renewing of our mind, not being conformed to this world, but that we might know the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. For your glory, Lord, we pray that your word would transform men, women, husband and wives, fathers and mothers this morning. And we believe, Lord, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above what we have prayed and asked for in Jesus' name. And the house of God says, amen. Um, as we were preparing for this week's message, um, I believe the Lord spoke to me three words. And the three words are to sow to gather and to give. These three aspects of tangible Christianity. To sow means to plant, to cultivate, um, to be able to bring a seed to its fruit. Uh, the second word, to gather. Uh, we're supposed to know that as, as the intentional and deliberate work of sowing, and, and they didn't teach us how to sow. When I was growing up, um, they, they were like Forrest Gump a little bit. They were like, life is a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get type of deal. No, you do know what you're going to get because it's what you sow. And you need to be intentional about what you sow so that you could reap. And so we teach this across the board to young men and young women, um, how they're to go into a marriage relationship. What an awesome privilege you are if you're a single woman. You actually get to choose the father of your children. I think that's awesome. And, and so I've had, I've been doing ministry long enough where children have asked their mom, why did you choose this jerk? Actually, that, that's what the kids have said. Why, why were you, why'd you, why did you choose a psychopath? Why did you choose a sociopath to bring me in this world so that, that, that he would be my father? So in the house of God, we know to be intentional. And so we vet who is going to be worthy to father our children. The most sacred place that God put every human being is in the womb. And, and why did he do that? Why did he put men and women, why did he start life out in the womb? Because he says, no woman would allow anything to come in her womb that was not worthy, that was not good seed uh, to be sown and bring forth good fruit. So how sad it is when we're outside of Christ, we don't know that life is not a box of chocolates, and, and we are to determine 
what, what we receive. So the, the, the whole sowing aspect of this message, I don't know that, that I can encapsulate all three of these messages in 15 minutes um, because they're much too broad. Uh, so sufficient to say that I'm just going to superficially say to you that do not be deceived. Do, do, not, do not deceive yourself. Do not deceive others. Um, so some people come to my office and they want to, to, to sit there and throw their husband or their wife under the bus and says, you don't know them. And I'm like, I didn't choose them, you did. I don't need to know them. You, you're the one that needed to vet this. And if you married that, enjoy it. Because no one else chose that but you. So in that regards, we know that sowing is a very powerful aspect of our lives as Christians. Now I want to start with first with 1 Corinthians 9:24 and 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 Paul makes an illustration here with respect to sports. Uh, do you not know that those who run a race, I'm like I'm not running a race, but but it is a call to the in instinct of man to compete so anything you call men to compete with, they're going to be competitors. That's why we suggest that that not take place in the marriage relationship. Everyone says amen. Ma marriage is not the place you, I cook better than you, I clean better than you, I iron better than you. Then you do it, man. You, you, you says you can do it, do it. Uh, but marriage is not a place for competition. You guys are not competing against each other because you're on the same team. And a team doesn't compete against each other. Man, this is way better preaching than your amen. I would be shouting amen if I was in the back row. I, I'd even come up a little closer even. Those people in the back row are one row away from leaving the church. Oh, we'll see. Bye-bye, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody's looking back. Who's back there? Um, no, press forward. Press forward in the first five rows and you get a suntan. It's the splash zone. Okay, so, so Paul is saying those who run a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you might obtain it. This goes to the fact that, that you could be jogging in the Lord or you could be fast and furious. You could be all out. Um, just like you're, you're up at the front at the race and not lagging behind the scenes and, and saying, oh, I don't know why. And, and look what it says in verse 25. Everyone who competes for the prize is disciplined in all things. So there, there's going to be, you know, some, some guy had the gall to ask me why I was so intense about my serving God. This was about five, maybe seven years ago. Why are you so intense? I'm like, are you kidding me, buddy? If, if we were training for the Olympics, nobody would come up and say, why are you so intense? Because one millisecond and you lose. So if you're a champion, you're not training to be last or in the middle. You're training to be first. And so out-disciplining the rest. We tell these people who play sports in high school, you're not going to make it if you're medium because the creme de la creme are the ones in the front. 
They're, they're waking up at five o'clock in the morning while you sleep on. So the, the, here Paul is saying this thing about Christianity is not for the lame. It's not for the lazy. The rebukes that Jesus gives lazy people in the Bible, I don't want to even come near to hearing those, you lazy and wicked servant. That puts chills in my spine as I hear those words. Uh, as a young man, as a single young man, I used to read the Proverbs, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. So I would sleep like this. I don't want to even be near that guy. I don't want to be comfortable. We used to play around uh, in high school before I got saved. We says, what are you going to do for a living? I'm going to be one of those test dummies. I want to test mattresses out for my life. And, and that was before we became godly men. There is, I wish there was 48 hours. I believe we stick 48 hours in a 24-hour time period in Christ. I can't get enough of serving the Lord. Uh, I tell my wife when we're dead tired, even uh, exhausted in our work, whatever it is during the day, and at night, God is speaking to me about these sermons. So I don't get any sleep, day or night. The daytime, we're, we're pressing forward, serving the Lord. The nighttime, we have our ears perched up in radar to listen to our God. God, speak to us in dreams and in visions. Speak to us with clarity of what you want for our lives. Because we're on this side of glory to fill the earth with glory. You're, you're, you can hear one of the phenomenal things I said at this conference. The first time I ever said this. This is what I said in Oregon. This book is written for men to champion life. And I do not talk about two areas in this book. Money or sex. Because a man who thinks about money or sex is not championing manhood. Sex and money is the fruit of being a man. And if you're not a man, you're not going to see much money. You're not going to get no sex. Mama bear is upset. You're in the doghouse. But so I say that in this book, that life is not concerning your affairs about how much money you're making. If you're stuck on stupid Thinking, thinking, you're not flourishing in God. Because you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be meditating about God's goodness and his plans for your life and thinking about how to hoard wealth. However, wealth is a, a fruit. Prosperity is the outcome of championing life as God would have it. So to a man who pleases the Lord... Wealth, riches, and honors are his reward. But if you're, you're, you're seeking these things, you're like the Gentiles. You're not going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So here it is. When we talk about these things, we're talking about running. We're talking about winning a race. We're talking about a prize. We're talking about discipline. And, and there, verse 25, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 says, those who... Um, those who compete, those who are in the race, do discipline in all things. Requires your life to be uh, real tight in discipline. I always tell the people that when we travel, they tell us, listen, 
we're going to pick you up at the airport this time. We're going to have dinner at this time. We're going to have breakfast at this time. We're going to have lunch at this time. We're going to have an interview at this time, radio station. We're going to go to a television station. You're going to meet with some pastors. You're going to go uh, to check out the, the venue where you're going to be speaking. You've got to be there at 530. We're going to put the microphone on you. We're going to put a tag on you. And listen, if you don't, if you don't have a heart of a servant, you tell these people, go fly a kite. I'm going to the hotel and I'm going to rest. And you're not ready and you're not disciplined. And they won't call you back. They're not going to say come back next year because you're pompous and proud and lazy. So we're on the best of our game. I actually believe that what happened to Israel and Egypt, that they became slaves for so long, was so that they could be qualified to serve the Lord and to be able to be obedient and have a, a heart. This is a prodigal son came back home. And he says, make me as one of your servants. In order for me to thrive in the purpose of God, I can't be lazy. I can't be opinionated. How many are opinionated? Put your hand down. Everybody's like, I, I think we should. Shut up. We, we heard it this week. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Nobody's asking you your opinion. We'll ask you your opinion when you've been here 15 years and show us you're a real Christian. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes 5.5. It says, when you come to the house of the Lord, come to listen rather than to speak the words of fools. I can't imagine a flying. Um, let's go to verse 1 there. We'll, we'll read it real quick. Walk prudently when you go to the house of the Lord and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice is a fool. They do not know when they're doing evil. Verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. So, so you don't have people going into the cockpit of a 777 giving an opinion of how to pilot the airplane. I know some of you do. You're walking into American Airlines and you're like, hey, pilot, you better keep it smooth. Shut up. You don't even know how to push a button in that, in that cockpit. You better pray that he's a, a, a Christian man. Um, but again, only in the house of God do people come in here and they say, Pastor, I have an opinion. I'm like, shut up. Go fly a kite. Serve the Lord and show me you're serious about God. And then I'll listen to what you have to say. Otherwise, there's, not, there's been people here that have been doing this thing for over 25 years being faithful and and we're going to listen to those people way before we listen to you and and so these these you don't hear much of this stuff in christianity because everybody wants oh just just be who you are and and stay no no because god wants to entrust you great riches and wealth and and supernatural provisions you knew not that god had laid up for you in this regard so here he's, he's, he's illustrating the one who runs, the one who disciplined, the one who runs for the prize. Verse 25, they do it to win a perishable crown. They're doing it for something here transient and local and temporary. And there is no fool him who changes what he's about to lose to obtain that which could never be taken from him. That was Nate uh, Saint um, through the gates of splendor who lost his life in Ecuador. He says, losing your life in this world to obtain what God has for you, no, hands down, amazing, what you attend to inherit 
when you tell this world, I'm not living according to your game plan. But what we see in a lot of people's lives, until they see someone doing God's game plan, they don't know how to forsake all and follow him. There has to be men. When Carlos Leon, who's working for UPS for 30 years, and he has six more years to go to get a, a higher return, uh, more, more income, better severance, the same thing with Gary Jennington at the police department, and they check out six years before their retirement time, and people are like, why are you doing that? Because I need the treasure in heaven, buddy. I already got enough to live on the earth. I need to put some things upstairs. And, and so they're doing that real time. They're not making it up. They're, they're allotting sectors of their life to pursue this high call of God to champion the affairs of God. Verse 26, therefore, because of this, that we have an imperishable crown to receive, I run thus. I run thus. And so um, he tells us, not with uncertainty. Not without uncertainty. I believe that more men do not surrender all and follow Christ because they haven't seen the fruit and the rewards of those who do. Though I fight, not as one who beats the air. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting my breath. I'm not wasting my schedule. I'm filling up the portion for God. Because I don't know how much time I have left. That was one of the things that was my concern as a lawyer. I'm like, Lord, I could sit there and become wealthy and hoard riches, but I would be using up your time in the regards to pursuing the call of God upon my life. So that's the greatest thing you could do is say, God, give me ears to hear not what the world is saying, not what this world is saying. What are you saying? What, what is the timetable of God chronologically so that I can move about? So there is why we move, not beating the air, not with uncertainty. Lord, I want to be, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. Um, it, it goes on to say that, that this portion of what God is telling us this morning is that we are to sow. We are to cultivate. When he put man in the garden in the beginning, the Bible says that he gave him instruction that he might cultivate it, that he might uh, labor therein and, and develop what was in the garden. Uh, it's Genesis 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward of Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And so you see how powerful it is that, that God puts man in a garden. It gives us a little bit of our DNA development, which is to work. Well, a lot of men are work-oriented, and uh, in that regards, um, they identify more with their work than with their relationship. That was good. You guys put that down and say, I said it. Like, like Pastor Molina always says, men uh, concentrate on work and not on relationship. No, listen to me. It's, it's part of what it says here also in verse 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden, and he, he put him there to tend it and to keep it. So this, this thing, to tend and to keep, 
was to bring that place to its greatest expression of flourishing. Your efforts are to bring wherever you're involved to its greatest expression of fruitfulness. And that's why it's a curse to be barren and sterile, to be not involved in cultivating the land. The opposite of cultivate is to neglect. And men are real good in falling in sin and away from the glory of God. They neglect their responsibility. They're not bringing things to the full fruitfulness and flourishing. A lot of people say, how do you have all that time to serve God and your family and be a pastor too? Man, when you're in the will of God, you're being fruitful vine. And the people say, according to their fruit, you shall know them. So you don't even have to spend time defending yourself. You just keep on putting forth fruit. Um, and the fruit is without, without um, struggle or strife. I've never seen an orange tree here in Miami go, Bloop. No, it's the natural expression of being an orange tree. There's oranges all year long, orange blossom flower, and then come the fruit. And, and people are like, that's an orange tree. Why? Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of the life speaks of the tree. And so here it is. He says that man was put there in the garden to tend to keep it. I want to say that, that consistently with this aspect of being men who you don't even know that the word husband means gardener? You guys know that? Some people are like, my wife, my wife. What are you cultivating, buddy? Says you're neglecting your wife, so what do you have? Thorns and thistles. Of course, you have no fruit, no fragrance. You're not enjoying that garden. You're looking on somebody else's garden. You're looking at another woman saying you want what you didn't sow. You didn't cultivate. I tell every man, your wife is to be the best looking woman in the world. Why? Because you're the gardener. Start working that field. Work it, baby. Work, work. Start pulling out of your woman the deep expressions of what you desire to enjoy. I came to my garden, my spouse, and I've eaten the fruit of my labor. It's not bitter. There's no resentment in my wife. There's no should have, could have. I'm alive. I'm going to work that garden. And so I will enjoy the fruit of my labor. And so there it is. Sowing. Sowing is a powerful uh, part of our lives as men upon this world. Proverbs eleven eighteen: The one who sows righteousness re reaps the sure reward, but the wicked... The wicked man does deceptive work. He's trying to reap what he hasn't sown. That's a good way to get shot. You're trying to take what's not yours. But then he who sows righteously will have a sure reward. You get the benefits of what you are sowing. So I always tell the men that come with wrecked marriages, you're surely reaping what you sowed in the past, bad seed, now you're reaping bad fruit. So now you have to sow good seed so you can reap good fruit. Uh, and so that's, that's regard. It's sad enough some men have to see the bad fruit before they realize they're not sowing right. Uh, Proverbs 22.8 says, but whoever sows injustice reaps calamity. If you're, if you're doing wrong thing, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. And, and the rod of his anger will fail. 
So, so these aspects of sowing wrong things, and, and somebody told me once, they said, I haven't sown anything, Pastor. Why do you blame me? I haven't. All I do is work. I go, okay, okay. All you do is work. Then we'll go to Hosea for you. Um, we'll see what Hosea says. In Hosea 8, 7, it says, those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. You didn't sow anything? Man, you got Hurricane Andrew coming right after, your, uh, right after you to destroy everything in the vicinity. You haven't sown the proper seeds. You're not getting the proper fruit. And if you decided that you're going to sit back and not sow anything, those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. Those are the worst relationships in the world. We go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point in this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That's the promise of God. If, if you're quick in dispersing seed in the right direction, you're going to reap beyond the roof. A lot of people look at our lives, my life in particular, our family's life in particular, and they're like, man, but how do these people, how, listen, since we learned these principles, we haven't sat on our laurels. We have been sowing, 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 sowing. This church, I'm going to say this and go publicly on record, you would not believe the outward expressions of sowing sparingly. Those people are like, you guys must be wealthy. No, we're not wealthy. We sow like crazy. And our harvest is through the roof. Our grain, uh, what's it called? Our, our, our barns are, are flourishing in every direction. If you, if you thought that this was good preaching, wait till you see my sons preach and wait till you see our son's sons preach. It's going to be greater glory. Why? We've sown um, with, the Bible says, with sweat and tears in our eyes, those who go uh, sowing the good seed will come back with songs of rejoicing as they see the fruit. They say, it's almost like we're living a dream. Absolutely. Whatever you sow, you're going to see magnified uh, a hundredfold. So he who sows sparingly, put that verse back up there, um, will reap sparingly much. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This aspect has taken me almost 15 minutes just on the sowing part. That, that we, we walk in that direction, receiving from the Lord the things that he has for us. And then look, it, it makes a transition really quick. Verse 7, it goes from the word sowing to the word giving. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Look, when you sow, when you sow, you're to gather. And when you're to gather, you're to give. And a lot of people don't know that that is the, the, the mature end of, of receiving when you receive, God says it's better to give than to receive. Why? Because Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given to thee. Give. This, this is not the baby pool. This is the deep end of the oceans. There's no end in this depth of water. And a lot of people don't know in the earthly mindset, they're working hard, working, working, working. They're making money, money, money. And then they keep it, keep it, keep it. And the devil steals their lunch. 
Because the greatest expression, and this is the mystery of the kingdom, that we're not lazy. Each one of us are sowing, cultivating land to reap and gather a harvest and be fruitfulness so that we might be known by our generosity. The full measure is not to hoard. If you hoard, your riches turn into worms. And lawsuits will come. And that which you hoard will be taken away. Read for yourselves Job 29. Everything you keep back from God that belongs to him will be theft. The devil will steal. He'll have a claim on it. So we have to be wise and say, Lord, I've worked my tail off. And I have, I have, I have done what I was supposed to do, when I was supposed to do it, how I was supposed to do it. Some people say, well, I wanted to go to law school, but I never did. Well, I wanted to start a law firm, I never did. Well, I wanted to, I was called the ministry, I never did. Listen, you never did. So there's no evidence of you sowing. There wasn't fruitfulness to gather. The gathering process, I think, is the most important. How many say amen? What's gathering? It's the logistics of putting things in order in your life. And you're not to make, I've met many men been millionaires five times over the last one was my father's friend um he had horses up here in ocala he asked me to drive him up there several times so i I went three trips with him six hours that way preaching to him six hours this way preaching to him six hours back preaching to him six hours back preaching to him six hours back six hours back how many is that the mathematicians 36 hours of real time he came to jesus christ an ardent atheist heart. He got water baptized and he gave me a horse. Hallelujah. <laughs> Absolutely. He gave me a horse. He says, I've been training up this horse for two years. I spent over $200,000 for it to be a champion and I'm done and I'm giving it to you. I said, thank you, Lord. You trained my horse. <laughs> He's tame. He's, he could be ridden out by children. And, and he, he's just a real aggressive horse. But, but you see that when you're pursuing God, then the blessings pursue you. You're not allowing uh, your sowing to be messed up. You're not entertained. You're not distracted. You have developed that land to its fullest potential. Because God gave you that DNA. God called you to tend and to keep it. And, and, and then, I think I got ahead of myself here. We're already on giving. No, but that's just because we were on sowing. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 each one uh must give but but the one before this verse 6 talks about sowing he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly what for verse 7 so you culminate at the end expression of sowing after you have gathered each one give as he's purpose in his heart not grudgingly and out of necessity because god loves a cheerful giver the understanding that when you give, God is giving you. I don't know to God to keep anything I've ever given him. In fact, whatever I've given him, when, when I was young, I gave him my youth, and, and he blessed and prospered me. I gave him my youth. A lot of people, they understand, you don't go to nightclubs, you don't party, you don't do this. Listen, I'm partying now. I'm, having, I'm enjoying life like, I, like none of my friends are. And so you, you, you so something into the Lord you give it to the Lord he returns it with with huge returns of glory and and so we were talking about sowing here so then he goes from sowing to giving let him give as he purposes in his heart second Corinthians 9 verse 10 
now he who supplies seed to the sower, he gives you an opportunity of what to cultivate. And bread for food, supply and multitude the, multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God starts revealing all these things that he has for you. Verse 11, while you are in reach, as, as God has blessed you, as you prosper in all these things, in everything, so that you might show forth your giving. As he has enriched you in your sowing and gathering, so that you might show forth in your giving. There's, there's nothing that gives a man more providence before men than his giving. The, the giving of your life, the giving of your resources, the giving of your time, the giving of your, 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 your service and ministry. When you are giving and flowing in that life, there's no greater joy in your life. All, all these multi-billionaires, Warren Buffett, says, you know some I have tens of billions of dollars. I'm just, you know, I'm not good at giving. He's only good at, at hoarding wealth. And so he says, I'm going to give all my wealth to Bill Gates and let him give it away. And so when a man is not sharp in being able to give, um, his increase and his prosperity becomes a shame. Why? Because he seemed to be a selfish pig. Everything's just going this way. It's his time, it's his money, it's his affairs. He thinks upon no one with sparingly uh, gifting. The Bible says that your gift will make room for you and bring you before prominent men. So we know that we're laying down our lives. Jesus gave it all. That's why he was given a name above all names. That at his name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. He's, he's Lord. He's Lord of all. And I think I'm about finished here. But, but I hope that you walk away today with those three things. It's short but sweet, Miguel Vidal. You could go home and have a good time. To sow, to organize in your sowing, to gather, to have fruit of what you've been doing for a long time. There's some men that have no fruit to show what they've been doing. They've been upon the earth for 20 years, done nothing, cultivated nothing, have no harvest, have no increase, give nothing to no one. They have nothing to show forth. And here God is telling us that every seed will produce after its kind and it will show forth upon those that are here. Galatians 6, 6 says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. If I, I, I've, I've got to say this. If, if I help to make you a millionaire, I should share in your millions. Absolutely. If I got your wife to listen and respect you, you owe me big time. If she's showing you honor, I want to hear the box over there go, ching, 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 ching. How are you going to reap rewards and then not share in the peace at your home and in the profits of your business? I had a man this week says, well, I pay my tithe. I guess you haven't done nothing because the tithe belonged to the Lord. You haven't given anything because you tithe. Because tithe belongs to God. You begin giving after you tithe. You ever thought of that? Well, I give my tithe. Nothing. You just gave him what's his. Guys, make sense, right? It's what I do over and above my tithe when I start sharing my generosity with my God and with his servants. And so we've been in this church for 24 years, haven't picked up an offering by way of the little plate because that offends me to have to 
put a plate in front of you for you to give to God? No way, my friend. Your giving to God is out of the intimacy of your relationship with him. And just like I don't want to know how often your wife has sex with you, I don't want to know how often you have intimacy with God based on your increase in prosperity. Because it would be shameful for that not to be taking place. And yet, I know for many of you guys, it is. There it is. The Bible says that you share, verse 7, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God's not going to be made fun of. A man will reap whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Verse 8 says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please his spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A lot of people don't know about sowing because they want to reap right then, and that's not how it happens. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us move in good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. Acts 20, 35, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this, working hard, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That you walk in these realities and that you might excel in your giving like you do in other areas of your Christian walk. There in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God has been bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. God has been good to us. Verse 2, that in great conflict and trials of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in riches of liberality because they were faithful to God in sowing and gathering they were faithful in the riches of their giving in the riches of their giving verse 3 for I bear witness that according to their ability yes they were able and then beyond their ability more than they had they were freely willing to give and then it goes on to say, verse 4, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. Continue to do, do the work of the Lord. Continue to let it be broad and wide and profound. Verse 5, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. That's the first of the capacities to be able to flourish is giving yourself wholly over to God. Then they gave it, uh, themselves to us by the will of God. God had called them to that assignment to be part of that ministry. Verse 6, so we urge Titus that he, as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Verse 7, but as you abound in everything, say abound in everything. As, as things in your life grow in measure, and he gives those examples, in faith, in your ability to speak, in your knowledge of the word of God, in your diligence doing things on time and what you need to be doing, in your love for us, see that you abound in your giving also. Allow there to be greater. There's no greater joy when I stand up in a men's conference and say, I used to give $20 to the Lord because I would make 200. Then I, I, I used to love to give 200 because I was making 2,000. Then I love to give 2,000 because I was making 20,000. Then I love to give 30 because I was making 30,000. Then I love to give $5,000 a month because I was making 50,000. Then now we're in ministry and we're giving all we have for the kingdom of God. That's our pursuit. 
He's trained us to these affairs. There's, there's no time. I, I know a man that owns 10 timeshares. He's paid for 10 timeshares, and he doesn't go to any of them. And that could be money in the kingdom. That could be money that he's rewarded in heaven for. And it's just sitting in a bank somewhere. It's sitting in some real estate he doesn't use. And he could be blessing the work of the Lord. It's being hoarded. It's going to be a curse in the hands of his heirs. It's going to be a horrible thing when he stands before God. And God says, I gave you millions of dollars and you buried it. You kept it back. We could have been doing great things for the kingdom of God. And so here it is. He says, just like you do everything in your faith, in your knowledge, in your diligence, in your love, also do so in your giving. Give it. Give it to God. Watch what God gives back to you. When I gave him my early years in my youth, he returned it. When I gave him uh, my career, I never thought that the, the expression would be a greater expression of glory. But whatever you give to God, he causes it to increase and the glory grows for his, for his reward, for his goodness. Amen. Let's give a hand to the Lord. Uh, I'm done. I didn't take. Yeah, I did take it all. I took it all. I'm sorry. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness in this house. Thank you for your mercies and your grace. Thank you for the living word. Thank you for the spirit's power and ministry in our lives. Allow us to move in this direction quickly, Lord, for the days are evil. Father God, and the devil knows he has a limited amount of time. He's coming to make war against the saints, oh God. We pray for Ukraine, Lord, that you might defend its integrity, its, its sovereignty. Father, defend its dignity, oh God. Allow them to fight the battles courageously for the homeland there, oh God. Father, have mercy on that place, Lord. Allow your goodness to intervene. That you send your ministering, warring angels to defend that people, oh God. And we pray, Father God, that the whole world might see your power through this last episode of wickedness upon the land. And that we know that soon, oh God, the devil turns towards your people with great wrath against those, Father God, who live for you. And we pray, Father God, that we might overcome, that we might prevail, that we might stand strong in the day of evil, Lord. We pray your blessing upon every family. We pray your blessing and your increase and your wealth to expand, to increase upon all those who have decided to follow Jesus. We glorify you and we give you thanks. And all the people say, amen, amen, and amen. <laughs> Greet one another in the love of the Lord. If you're interested in going to Kentucky with Pastor, come and see me. If you're interested in going Tuesday night to Fort Lauderdale, come and see me also. God bless you.